Hello, I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm uh, I'm Dan Eden. I'm Ian Simmons. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. Under 90 minutes. 240, Back after <laughs> after a week going dark in solidarity for those who cannot leave the home at a time when everybody needed entertainment, we said, "Nope, we're not going to provide them entertainment this week." But <laughs> we instead, need a week off. Yeah, but here we we're, are. We're back, and today on our show, clocking in at 88 minutes, we're talking about 1972's "Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask." Written for the screen and directed by Woody Allen. A movie uh, I did not hate this as much as I was expecting. Um, I am not a Woody Allen fan. I am only made all the more uncomfortable um, as every year passes by and and, and he just seems to get creepier and creepier. Um, So, yeah, that's where I stand on Woody Allen. Uh, Not sure of your guys' personal opinions, but... Mm. Um. Uh. Well, <laughs> I am a I am a Woody Allen fan. Now I have not seen nearly as much of the Woody Allen filmography as I should have to call myself a fan. Um. But uh, yeah, I think he's talented. I, I really recommend his stand-up comedy album from 1969 called Stand Up Comic. Um. And uh. Yeah. And I actually sort of know someone who knows Woody Allen. And their perspective on him as a person has sort of softened my perspective on him as a person. That all being said, nobody, well, I should say, nobody who knows everything is going to, like, spill the beans until long after everyone else is dead. So uh, that's pretty much where I stand. Ah. Um, I think given what we already know is enough for me uh, regarding Woody Allen, but... uh, uh, and I've not I've never seen many of his films. Uh, I'll tell you which one I did see. It was kind of my intro was Match Point, which is probably the unwoodiest alien is movie. <laughs> and I loved it. I own it. And uh, I did not enjoy Sleeper. This one is like I, I this one's kind of like to me represents his career in that I like probably about 50 percent of this movie. <laughs> and I uh, think yeah. about 50. Maybe I would say my theory is 50 percent of his career. I don't know. He has a certain brand, like this sort of self-assured yet somehow neurotic and nerdy, mm-hmm. uh, quote-unquote smart, punny humor tinged with a lot of sex, perverse antics, and a lot of like. I can't help but uh, think that a lot of his 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 roles are like self-serving, like to appease his own sexual uh, his sexuality, his, his own sexual desires. <laughs> But maybe I'm projecting too much onto them. Maybe that's unfair. I, I don't think you are. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that because in no less than two of these segments, he's like making out and fondling women and, and grabbing their breasts in different ways that he can. He's like, how many different ways can I grab a breast in this film? <laughs> I, Four. I, can't, I, I can't help but put on the 2020 glasses in everything now. 
retroactively. And if this movie were to made, be made now, there would be articles in, in, all over the place saying exactly what I'm, I'm pointing the finger at saying is that well, he's, this is self-serving, kind of perverse stuff. But I, I think if this movie were made today, um, it would probably like the whole hook of the movie would probably be how uh, how much they're going to push the R rating of the comedy. Like, I, I feel like. That would the only way to do this movie is to go even more extreme, but to make that part of the the buzz around the movie. Because uh, yeah, if you're just gonna do a movie that's equally or even softer than this, then it's just like it's just gonna be creepy and weird. Sure. Well, I mean, this is uh, you know it's it's strange because this is an R-rated movie, but it's an R-rated movie from 1972. And that said, I mean, I don't think there's it, it's based purely on subject matter. I mean. There's no like foul language. Yeah. I don't even think there's any nudity except for the giant, you know, boob at the end. Uh, yeah, the, and, the and cartoon blob. That would probably uh, be the only questionable thing that would, because yeah, otherwise this is a pretty PG-13 movie, with the exception of maybe that uh, giant boob. But I don't know if even that would be. Maybe that would be considered too cartoonish to even get an R rating. Right. <laughs> um, and. Uh, Honestly, this movie reminds me, uh, along with the talking about the 2020 lenses, I have to go back to my 2016 or 2017 lenses uh, when Louis C.K. put out that movie, I Love You, Daddy, that was mm-hmm. you know right on the cusp or right at the very beginning of the whole Me Too thing. Woody Allen also had a movie out that year called Wonder Wheel. Both films were critically acclaimed on the festival circuit up until those stories came out about you know, uh, Louis C.K. in particular, and then Woody Allen just kind of got swept up in that whole uh, deal. Um, The Louis C.K. movie was looked at as being very autobiographical, almost very confessional by those who'd seen it and were, you know, subsequently disgusted by it. But before it got looked at through that lens, when it was, you know, being a big hit on the festival circuit, they're like, oh my God, this is, this is brilliant and amazing. And it's, it's wonderful. Uh, but then it was like, oh, well, it really is just about a perverse uh, student, <laughs> like TV writer, uh, who's it's got like, a thing about his daughter. Yeah. It'd be like somebody submitting, uh, something as a documentary film and it getting a lot of acclaim. And then you just find out, no, that was just home movies. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty <laughs> much it as, as a narrative or, a, you know, a fake documentary rather, because that's yeah. what they're doing. It's, 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 this is make believe, but it's not like, you know, Roman Polanski didn't he make a film that was kind of like that kind of there was about a, a man a middle aged man kind of like a Lolita type of dynamic. I don't know. I, I have I to know. pull my sights, but like I feel like um, filmmakers who who've, who've had this controversy you know have done this before. Woody Allen, I don't know, I'm not as familiar with his filmography, but this sort of subconscious like this confessional type of uh, narrative thing. Well, it's it not really even makes sub- it hard to separate the work from the artist sometimes, but I am most of the time I can do that. I don't know if you guys can. I try, and it's hard. A lot of times, I think the context adds like a richer dimension to the work itself, you know, because you can psychoanalyze these things all to hell. But mm-hmm. the interesting thing about Woody Allen, and I hate to keep bringing him up, but they're kind of joined at the hip, so to speak, is Louis C.K. They don't they've never hid in their artwork or their stand-up this idea that they have these weird sexual hang-ups and they go out on stage and they share them with the world it's just there's this level of detachment from the audience like oh that's that's really funny and oh my god it, 
yeah, I'm glad that you don't really have these problems, but they're up there saying, no, I really have these problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the veil is, is completely lifted and you, what was left of it anyway. But mm-hmm. this one opens with your typical, I can say typical, feels like that Dixieland jazz music over basic titles, only this time we get some bunny footage, like stock B-roll of some, some white bunnies. <laughs> All yeah. hanging out together. And uh, I'm reminded of Us. Is this Us? Woody Allen's Us. Ooh. That would be an interesting one. <laughs> Talk about I watched the hell out of that uh, movie. Twins. Um, <laughs> after these long credits, which I love because it's really just a little break for me because I take notes for every minute. So I just sit back and I watch the bunnies. And I'm just, yeah. I don't need to write down like, what's oh, going on. It's the close-up like of that. a little cute little nose twitching. The nose so, is twitching to the beat. That 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 <laughs> nose has rhythm. <laughs> so and this is uh it's it's divided up into this is a vignette movie. That's the structure. Just a bunch of shorts that have to do with sex, uh, all strung together and uh, separated by title cards. And the first one is uh, do aphrodisiacs work? And uh, this is now Ian. Do you know much about the book and or anything that this is based on? <laughs> No, I was going to ask you guys about this. I, I watched this movie, I think, last year for the first time. And when I saw that it was based on a book, I kind of had meant to go pick it up. I don't know if this is derived from it or if it's based on the idea that there was a book about you know sexuality that Woody Allen read and said, hey, I've got all these weird ideas. <laughs> My understanding. Sorry. Weird ideas for sketches, you know. My understanding on it is that it was more of a self-help book. Like it's a right. legit, it's, it's a legit book and then he this is the loosest adaptation of a book to a <laughs> film. If someone like wrote uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, but it was just a series of how men and women are so different like yeah. and that was it. Is that basically what we're talking about here? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what my understanding of it is. It's like somebody took the a self-help book and then turned it into a Richard Curtis movie. <laughs> Sex well, actually should have been the name of this movie, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it starts with I think my personal spoilers least favorite segment of this entire movie, and it, it takes yeah, us this, back. You guys, it starts weak. It starts yeah. weak. Uh, here's here's what I found out by watching this is I would I think I would have liked this a lot more if it wasn't Woody Allen if it's not him playing the role if it was Gene Wilder in all these instead I of think, Woody Allen I think I've, I'm fine with it. My problem with it is that it's the do it's the dosage of Woody Allen that you get in this movie because if this were more like a Monty Python movie you'd have the same five people playing every role. Or mm-hmm. you can have Woody Allen pick your favorite segment, the one that you're like, this is the one that I really want to do, and then you do that. Don't like, don't just alternate every other segment. It's just like I, I. That's why I only like every other segment of this movie because it's just like, well, I don't need as much of you in this movie. Like I thought it was gonna be him either starring in every segment, which I was gonna be like, okay, I roll, or I thought it was gonna be him just doing the most Woody Allen character, which I feel like of all of the characters, the fool that he plays at the beginning this is segment, is yeah. Very on brand for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but then he just keeps showing up and I'm like, God damn it. Well, I mean, yeah, that that is true. And he does alternate every other segment, I think. But what I love about it is I, I agree. This is the weakest segment. I do really like this segment, but it's the least 
funny to me. It's one of those intellectually funny things like, oh, yeah, this is him just putting out his his shtick, his stage persona, um, but set in this, you know, medieval uh, court kind of a thing. It, it, it reminded me too much of Robin Hood Men in Tights, which came, you know, 25 years later, you know, yep. especially with the whole chastity belt thing. Um, uh, but still, it, it just feels derivative watching it in a modern context. What I liked about him popping up in these segments is he's a different, he's still Woody Allen, but he's a different type of Woody Allen in this one, in the Italian segment, and then in the, the giant tit Frankenstein monster one. Um, yeah. He's playing different versions of that character. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Because in the Italian one, which I like more, I like I like that 50-50, just like this entire movie. I like he's more uh, restrained in the Italian segment, and I love how the style, the visual style. They're really they're mocking the yeah, like, that feels uh, Antonioni like, kind of thing. It feels like they're doing a sat like it feels like the satire of that segment is something completely different. For, like it has nothing to do with the sex that's in it. You know, like that. Like, yeah. it's so specific that they're like doing a parody of something. And using the context of sex as a way of making it funny. But yeah, this first segment is like, to me, it feels like the adventures of Woody Allen. And this time he's in, you know, medieval <laughs> England or whatever. Like he's a jester. Look out. <laughs> this week he's a jester, you know, like that's what it feels like. Yeah. But one of the things I did love about it is the fact that everybody acknowledges in this segment that he's a terrible court jester. Yeah. It's almost like every critic. Yeah, it, probably in his real life, everything they've said about him, like he's not funny, he can't tell a joke, like what is this com- quote-unquote comedy uh, just set I, into a, an amenable setting where the stakes are literally life and death. I really, I thought about that. Since he's sending himself up as a comedian, which is kind of can be a meta-commentary of his career, uh, he, he got some slack from me in that department because of that. This is, he's, you know, he's turning his own his himself on his head, you know? So to speak, pun intended, pun always intended. He's got his own head on a stick that he walks around with, like Garth in Wayne's World 2. <laughs> his hockey stick with yeah. that little doll head. That's I'm not going to lie. I want one of those little Woody Allen jester heads. I, someone had to have made one of those. I got to get one. Yeah, Etsy. Check Etsy right now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like a mid-May delivery, and I'll have to spray it down with Lysol when it shows up. Yeah. It's... um. So it starts with the the king and not played by Woody Allen. Now, now Jared, what if Woody Allen played every single role? The queen, the king. The I mean, king. if he played every oh god, that's that's Eddie a Murphy he- did. that's a heavy dose of Woody Allen, man. Like that's <laughs> I might overdose on Woody, and I I don't think that I I that's something I want. That's a that's something I don't want to come down from, you know? Yeah. So they're having a feast with the queen, and uh, they're about to retire to the royal bedchamber. But first, he, you know, they I guess they had a victory or whatever. It's not important, but he feels like being entertained, which is important. They summon the the jester played by Woody Allen himself, who comes in with the classic, you know, jester outfit. And yes, he does have like a paper mache or cloth version of his head on a pike that he walks around with bells on it. As kind of like his own rim shot, like his own personal jingle jingle instead of with <laughs> And nobody likes him. And he does this old shtick. And like, as an audience member, before people start acknowledging how bad he is, I'm rolling my eyes. And then the the characters kind of catch up with me, the audience. And I think, all right, we're, we're on the same level. So I guess, like I said, I'm cutting him some slack here. And uh, now we're in, 
kind of everything kind of happens fast because we got what's eight segments, seven segments to go here. So they're in the courtyard, and he here's here's one of the many notes I'm going to have about Woody Allen here is is he imposing his his own perverse uh, nefarious ways onto the narrative or not? He's in the courtyard. He bumps into the queen and he cops a feel. He grabs her royal tomatoes and they, they have an exchange. And I'm just like, all right, Woody. Okay, that's strike one in my book. My book. <laughs> like, but um, it's, I mean, it's it. This is 1972, so it's like it's early in his career. This is like that's that's a joke. Thing. I mean, at this point, you know. But like, you add yeah. the 40 years onto it, and you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Well, that's that that's that's a key bit of context. There is this is the 70s. I mean, we're still at the beginning of a full decade plus of sex yeah. comedies, wildly popular sex comedies from Porky's to Revenge of the Nerds. These things yeah. spawn franchises. And yeah, we you know it, it was even earlier than 2020 when people looked back at something like say Revenge of the Nerds and said, wow, that. That scene in the in the carnival house was kind of rapey. Uh, oh, we, we we had our very own conversation about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And but... um, even if like here's the funny thing, like if he wrote it for somebody else, anybody else, and Gene Wilder, and it wasn't him writing it for himself doing that, I would even cut them some slack because it's the actor has some liability, don't they? It's not they didn't write it; they're not directing it, right? Well, but then again. I mean, I don't know, maybe, but I'm always kind of of the opinion, this goes back to separating the art from the artist. We don't know what any of these folks might have in their closet. <laughs> you know? uh, Woody Allen might just be the person who's standing out there saying, this is me, these are my perversions. Where yeah. if Gene Wilder had played the role, 10 years from now, someone could put up a biography of him getting, you know, me tooing themselves or something. Oh, That's God, true. No. Not, not Gene. Not, not Mr. Wilder. Street. Yeah, no, I, sir. I won't accept any bad, anything bad coming from Gene Wilder. Oh, I agree. That's a terrible example because yeah, no. I love Gene Wilder. So <laughs> I don't yeah. want that to happen. The rule here on this podcast is you can't badmouth him. So we're gonna close the book on that. Okay. Uh, he Sign he has off. like these he has <laughs> these Bugs Bunny moments in the movie, like where he breaks the the fourth wall and he looks at the camera. Like after the queen storms off, after he feels her up and they have like that anachronistic yet also appropriate dialogue that you get in a lot of these spoofs of the time periods she storms off he looks at the camera he says i fell on my bells and we're just like (laughs) slapping our knees (laughs) and i just like here's the thing my grandpa used to laughing my grandpa used to always like references like we used to watch this movie and this one. I feel like he was a Woody like this is right up my grandpa's alley. So I'm trying to watch this through my grandpa's eyes, you know, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, that's, you know, and, and that's part of where I, I struggle with Woody Allen's comedy because I fell on my bells. That's one of those intellectual laughs that I got. It wasn't a, you know, an out loud kind of a thing. But it made me wonder, is that meant to be a laugh line or is that meant to be him sort of taking that idea that he's not funny into the meta context? Like, I'm, <laughs> so, right, I'm right. so proud of this terrible joke. What do you think, audience? And we're like stone faced. And that's sort of the point. 
Exactly. Yeah, you know, you're right. Like you have to at least consider looking at it from that angle, which cuts him some slack. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm going to have you guys dedicated lifelong Woody Allen fans by the end of this show. <laughs> I'm just going to be I'm going to be a self-proclaimed <laughs> a slack cutter for Woody Allen after this. Not a full blown apologist, but uh, and prediction. I'm not going to change my opinion. <laughs> prediction. Okay. Prediction. <laughs> um, well, you know, Woody Allen is the best comic of all time. Changed my mind. No. Um. Okay. Here, here's my argument. To be or not to be, that is the congestion. But no, oh. once again, he's a bad comic in the narrative. So yeah, you know, uh, that's what he says though in this next scene. He's trying out new material and he wants to have sex. He's like monologuing to himself, like I gotta. I gotta get a nut, basically. He's very <laughs> torn up about that, and he has got his eyes set on the queen. And this is uh, this is, this can't be the first time Woody Allen has done this, where uh, he gets visited by some sort of apparition or spirit. In this case, his dead father, who is poisoned. Uh, what did he got something in his ear? Um, somebody. I put honest, poison. I, what was it? Having seen having seen this movie twice, I still don't know what the hell the dad was talking about because he's talking from behind a mask. Maybe I just yeah. need to pump up the volume or turn on the subtitles. But that <laughs> whole scene just like went right by me and over my head. Yeah, same. he yeah, um, same. okay. He basically persuades his son, who is somewhat reluctant, to go bang the queen. He's like, it's okay, son. Listen, I was once uh, related to a king, so you are, you are of royal blood. And also, the one thing that got me laughing was he's all like, uh, your uncle poisoned me. He's like, he put it in my ear. He's like, why? He's like, I don't know. He just saw an ear. He would poison it. That's just what he did. <laughs> <laughs> so then he like disappears, and we never see him again. And he tells him, though, to go see the sorcerer, which is a character who's in this movie for, like, one second of the movie. Yeah. He's, like, he's um, he's this black guy that he goes to visit, and he, like, gives him a, an aphrodisiac, which is a very powerful one, like uh, the Gilroy in Ocean's yeah. 13. <laughs> yeah. Had to reference that. And now he's going to, and once again, this is sort of like I, this nefarious angle, like the copping of the feel. Now he's getting a Gilroy, and he's going to physically manipulate through chemicals a woman's, you know, I'm, I'll cut him some slack. But, you know, that's almost straight I mean, too look, for it, me in my book. It's, uh, my book. It, it's a little Cosby. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're borderlining. <laughs> But it's a movie, and he's in the the medieval time, and he's a Here's he's a bad jester. So he, he never once he went, he never once claims that it's Benadryl. So I guess he gets a pass. <laughs> too. He uh, well, sorry. Well, I'm just saying let's not uh, let's not skip past who the sorcerer is. That's Jeffrey Holder, who I don't know. This might be a little bit before your time, but he played Punjab in Annie. He was also the uh, the Seven Up spokesman through the 1980s. I did not know that. No idea. Nope. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, it was also somehow the narrator of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Tim Burton movie. I forgot that thing had. Is that narrator. right? No, yeah. that was. Uh, no, he was. Uh, the narrator for that one was uh, um, the same dude who played uh, his father in that. Uh, Chris Dooley? Yeah. Uh, Are you're going to sure? have to go back and correct IMDb because it lists him as narrator. Really? Yeah. Jer, mm-hmm. huh. I don't know. I, uh, I think there's a. Arguments up in the air on that. 
I, you know what? I'm I'm not gonna be uh, I'm not a staunch uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> fan, so yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not uh, not that familiar. But That's I thought it was fair. Christopher Lee. So he goes to the sorcery, gets the aphrodisiac. He's gonna go get the queen to have sex with him. He brings it to her. He gets past the guards who are just outside her her bed quarters with their long axes, and he's gonna use it and. Uh, it doesn't take long for it to kick in. She has this. She's overcome with this urge. You know, you've seen this before in other things like cartoons on maybe less <laughs> sexual scales. But uh, she says, "Well, before she drinks it, she goes cheers." And he goes, "And Roebuck." And I'm laughing. I'm slapping my knees so hard that it's red at this point. Yeah. Uh, but he's a bad jester, so she seduces him. Hey, <laughs> begs him to have sex, and. Uh, they have a funny, clumsy sex scene on the bed with the chastity belt. They, he's got to get it off. So yeah. he goes out to the, the guards outside the door. He asks for their super long axe. And I, I kind of look down because I'm taking notes and this is happening fast. I'm like, what is he going to do with that axe? And I'm thinking, oh, no, is he going <laughs> to pleasure her with the handle? No. He's going to wow. get this chastity wow. belt off. That's, uh, you know what, I don't think... Uh, that's getting too close to the exorcist at this point <laughs> or a monster with Charlie's Theron. Oh God. Uh, don't, um, <laughs> but he picks the lock successfully. And he wakes the King in the process. There's a big crash, you know? So he's on his way over there. I guess they sleep in different quarters and, uh, which is odd. Like <laughs> yeah. They relock the belt, but his hand gets stuck. in. so he always gets his hand stuck in the cookie jar. He says, so, you know, you got to, this is a big comedic beat here. King arrives, foul mood and all, says he still doesn't think that Jester's funny. And that now that you mention it, Ian, it doesn't feel it does feel like Woody's like, yeah, this is like a critic who's always had a problem with me. He's he's gonna be the king in this and he's gonna just flat out say, I still don't think you're funny after this hilarious medieval segment I just gave you. <laughs> and he tells a nun joke, which I actually think is pretty good. I've never heard it before. Have you guys? Uh, the black and white and black and white and black and white. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard it. So. That's but, pretty uh, good. You know what? I appreciate a, a good joke joke. Yeah. As I, as I call them, you know. A jokey joke. Yeah, a jokey joke. <laughs> a, 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 a riddle, if you will. A Jeff Ross? Or is that traditional roasting? That's a That's, different category. Yeah. Um, the jester hides, uh, in the back of her dress, bad move, Woody, but he's back there and she like is on the bed. And now the King is like horny all of a sudden. He thinks that he kicked Woody Allen out of the room, the jester, and he's now going to make love to the woman. And, uh, he catches her like after a little long beat of suspense of him back there. And she's like, Ooh, that tickles. And, you know, he lifts it up and he sees he's back there and. He's, he's like, yeah, that's all, folks. And then he like puts the dress back down, and that's the end of it. Or no, that's not the end of it. What happens after that? There's a cool little uh, visual thing with the head on the pike. They don't, like, you know, they do. Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes to, they, they essentially take him to be beheaded, and then uh, the, the f- shot that we get is the little head on the pike falling into the bucket, uh, symbolizing the... Real Woody Allen head. Right. Yes. They beheaded his head on the pike, too. That's how cold they are. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I want you to watch this before we kill you, too. <laughs> oh. 
on to segment two, which is, wow, the great jarring title. What is sodomy? Question. (laughs) And it's 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 the best. I know. It's oddly the best. It's got Gene Wilder. And if I were to write the premise on a piece of paper, I'd say that's not the best. But, yep. (laughs) When you add the Gene Wilder flavor, you get a a delicious, a a delicious segment. You just a, a showcase of his timing here in this, the pauses he takes in his office here. Um, so he, it, it, I love how straight it's shot too. To Woody's credit, like he's like, I'm gonna create a beat where he, he gets ready for work. It's just a normal day. There's no music, no like. I'm not gonna even stylize it. Just flat, like flat out real life. Breakfast, kiss the wife goodbye, show up to work, ordinary day, and then some new guy comes into the office what happens next i feel like i'm talking too much <laughs> no it's so yeah he's he's checking out patients and then uh, there's a guy named mr milos who has come from armenia to see him because he's visiting new york he's got a brother who's an upholsterer or something uh, and he needs to talk to somebody because the sheep that he has fallen in love with back in armenia has fallen out of love with him <laughs> And so the guy brings the sheep in to see our doctor, a doctor whose name is Dr. Doug Ross. Yeah. I don't know if we have any ER fans here in the audience, but that was George Clooney's character name on the ER. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Do you think that was in honor of this? I, I love to think so. It's either a huge coincidence or it's not. Um, you but, remember that uh, episode, though, that was a two-parter where George Clooney did fuck that sheep? on that show <laughs> I, do, I do recall that one it was a very special er that um, is no way to talk about juliana margulies anyway uh, i can't believe can we time out you mentioned her can i i can't believe she's still doing her thing margulising it up good for her seriously <laughs> all right yeah i i just love that you turned her into a verb <laughs> You can make it. Wilder is a great. No, that's it's what we not. Do wildering. No, that's a terrible verb. But he's in this and he's wildering it up. And Milos, like me, Mr. Milos Stavros or Stavros Milos, one yeah. or the other. Um, he, yeah, he last summer he fucked Daisy, the name of the sheep, and you know it is a, it is a good looking sheep. And uh, Wilder's <laughs> freak. Like he seems freaked at first. Like he wants him immediately out of his office after taking like a great pause to just like really soak it in as as he's telling him his story. And, it's like uh, I mean, if you were to make a list of top ten like dramatic pauses in all of movie history, <laughs> this uh this may be the winner. And there's a call. There's even a call about a rupture from like his assistant, and he's like, "Well, it'll no, wait, no. it'll wait. I'm listening like, to this not story. now, not now." <laughs> it seems really yes. urgent. Um, but uh, Stavros's issues, he's fallen out of love. He asks the doctor to talk to her, which is uh, like we can already predict big mistake. We know Wilder's going to use his Wilder charm, and he's going to seduce that sheep. I just know uh, it. No, and- the sheep seduces him, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't. Uh, he- he he would he would never do that kind of a thing to somebody else. I mean, unless it was done to him. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, all I know is he, he uh, Wilder says no, and he, as he's kicking Stavros off, did you, out he did you notice his line? He's like, my mother just finished paying for this office. You can't bring <laughs> any sheep in here. <laughs> Which is again, that's that's when 
uh, Woody Allen's writing really comes through. Like this is this was the Woody Allen part that just happened to be played by Gene Wilder. I love it. Okay, in that respect, Woody Allen's words out of his mouth. I love it. Uh, yes. But here's what else I love is the the shot from his window when he pulls back his blinds and we get a sweet zoom down to the van of Stavros pulling Daisy out of the back. <laughs> that so- is a that's a good cartoony shot of just a guy carrying a sheep. <laughs> Uh, it must and have I like I like the... that they used a real sheep too. It wasn't like yeah. a puppet or something. Yeah, for real. It must have been one of the most complex shots in a not so complicated. I mean, the Italian one, it is shot beautifully. I will say this, but it has to be one of the most complicated setups in the movie. <laughs> pull back blind, zoom in. Guy pulls live sheep out of van from across the way down below. It's great. Um, so. He brings it up to the office. Stavros is a very persistent man with his romantic troubles, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as we see later, he's not someone to be trifled Look, with. I mean, he will he will travel to the ends of the earth for for love. He's a man in love. I was just gonna say, like, and 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 that will drive somebody to do some some crazy things, including. Uh, but not limited to <laughs> bringing this sheep into the office that his mother just paid for. <laughs> so the doctor, Doug Ross, meets Daisy. They go to the office, and this is where he like basically completely turns 180 on his whole feelings towards interspecial spe- special relations with a sheep. So It's a, it's a quiet it. seduction, and we see in that moment where Wilder is just, first he's kind of freaked out, and then he starts petting the sheep, and then he's really petting it and really looking at it. And even Stavros is like, um, sh- should I be concerned? <laughs> and we as the um, audience are like, it's great because it's like, we, we're we way ahead of the game. Like, we know what's happening. Yeah. But it's it's just letting him just take his time and get there. Yeah. It's 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 uncomfortable. It's <laughs> tense, but it's also like really funny. Yes. And and how long are they gonna take it is the next question. Mm-hmm. You know? And we'll see. Uh so he the Doug says, I need to see Daisy alone soon. And Stavros is like, anything, sure. So he fucking Allows Daisy to go meet up with, uh, or him to meet up with Daisy. And uh, later on at his house, Wilder retur- retires to bed early. And she busts him fondling the lamb's wool sweater that he has on the bed. <laughs> yeah, just one of several uh, sheep puns uh, that, that come into play. Especially the, the last shot, which we'll get to, but... Yeah, I, I'm a sucker for puns and that kind of like weird Mad Magazine style, you know, visual humor. So uh, yeah, it, it had me from at hello. Yeah, he's uh, he's priming himself for for lamb intercourse basically at home. Uh, the next day, uh, Stavros Milos shows up with Daisy. Uh, Wilder composes himself. Oh, they're here now. Okay, and he like gets the mouthwash, <laughs> gets like the cologne, and he sweet talks Daisy alone. And he swallows the mouthwash. I, I oh. was, yeah. He, like, I was like, did they not tell you to spit it out back in 1972? <laughs> or was he like? He I was, was like, like, wait, there's oh, no I sink really... in sight. He's. This is something just he, he just does. I think. <laughs> I mean, and he, he had the bottle at the ready, so you know. Basically, 
after a little bit of sweet talking, he says, I think it could work if we gave it a chance. And he carries a live sheep into a, a nice hotel, goes to the desk, says, I'd like a room, please. <laughs> Cut to them getting the room together. You know what happens next. You can They don't show it. You know, this isn't Black Mirror. Actually, I didn't see that episode. Did you guys see that one? The one with the pig? Yeah. Um, I heard yeah. enough about it that I was like, I'm done. Nope, <laughs> I'm out. That, that's the reason my wife won't watch Black Mirror with me is because that was the first fucking episode of that wonderful show. <laughs> yeah, it really set the tone there, didn't it? I don't want to watch the pig show, you know? Oh. But Where I, do I watched we go one other episode here? that was the polar opposite. So, yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did. There's some that are really disturbing. Get under your skin. Some are just great. It's just, oh, it's like Woody Allen. It's like 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> it all that, comes full I, circle. <laughs> I like watching Woody Allen. I'm not crazy about watching something that gets under my skin. Mm. So I, I, I don't seek it out personally. <laughs> <laughs> fair. Very fair. Um, At night, the wife wants to sleep with him, but he's exhausted because he hooked up with a sheep at a hotel and uh, cut to him. I mean, how much much energy do you think that really takes, though? To to do a sheep? Like, let's 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 really break this down, guys. If you had the sheep there, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, you you remember that? Do you ever hear that George Carlin joke about uh, about sheep shagging? Oh yeah. Do you know yeah. why a, a farmer fucks a sheep at the edge of a cliff? <laughs> yeah, I have heard it's, that one. It's so the sheep will push back. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, beautiful. But yeah, I mean, so this, it could be exhausting. <laughs> is this a Woody Allenism, Ian? He he's laying in bed. He's laying in bed, and like this isn't what I'm asking, but he reveals he's with the sheep, and this is this is what I'm asking. He says, "Our I love our L-shaped room." <laughs> Just that little detail. I don't even know what the hell that means. I've seen the movie twice, and I'm still like, <laughs> I feel like there's something I'm just not tuning into there. He just feels at peace with the it's world just, when he's, it's, he's here. It, it's just a reference that we don't understand. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, what is an L-shaped room? I, I feel like I'm I'm living in a closet somewhere. I don't know. It sounds blissful, though, according to to Gene Wilder. But, but it's also a lovely, it's almost like the Jeff Goldblum, you know, open shirt hero shot from Jurassic Park. Like Gene Wilder in bed, topless with a sheep. I mean, it's a beautiful composition. He's just sitting there smoking his lovely blonde locks at rest. Hey, if someone else, as uh, Ian Malcolm, if, as, if anyone else could have played him, maybe Wilder. But... I, uh, I want to I see somebody's uh, uh, dream poster or, or, or you know, their uh, whatever you call those things where they you know you put a collage of all the things that you hope for and i want to see a side by side of gene wilder and, and jeff goldblum right there they're shirtless but they're, is that an they're... image board a vision board yeah vision board yes. thank you he buys, my... okay. he, he buys uh daisy jewelry he puts it on her by the fire like we get a like think time kind of moves by a little bit faster now. Yeah, this is the point where I'm like, how long, like, how far are they going to take this segment? Like, we're already past the fucking, like, how far are we going? Do you guys remember a little episode from last run, Harold and Kumar, with the bag of weed, though, and how far they took that with the fantasy oh, sequence? Yeah. 
Oh, I yeah. like this kind of this. Is, uh, to me, I like it. Let's take it far. You I, know, I wasn't saying that as a complaint. I was saying oh, okay. it as like, my God, how far can we really take this and you know, stretch the humor? <laughs> so the wife says he smells of lamb chops. He's like, how how is that? How could I even smell of lamb chops right now? Like, what? <laughs> think say about that to me. He's great at being calm, but he can really when he's hyper, he can really get wilder. You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> He snaps her. He's like, why would I smell like lamb chops? And then like, he tears his suit and like he storms off. And he's Isn't that the point where she, she picks a... a piece of wool off of his yeah. off of his suit jacket or something? Uh, <laughs> what what kind of these suits? Suit is this? I've had it with these suits. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he gets caught with Daisy by the wife in bed. That's like the next scene and. uh cuts to him being like so fast now he cuts to him being like tried for like they mentioned that the sheep was underage so like they yeah. had <laughs> it's so ridiculous <laughs> the sheep was like 17 it was a minor <laughs> and then to his credit like he he humanizes the role he's he's financially ruined his wife left him he's sitting at with daisy at the dinner table he's all like i still want to make it work i don't care i'll find a job i'll i'll, I'll figure it out his doctor <laughs> who now has to find a job <laughs> so well let's let's take a step back here guys yeah. uh, if you think about it uh, a deep true passionate romance with an underage girl <laughs> That yeah. broke up a marriage, and he is determined to make it work. It's like he was crystal balling his own his own Holy future. Shit, there. Ian. Oh man. <laughs> uh oh. Um, you just ruined my favorite segment of this movie. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they had to scout a location, do a setup of him as a waiter, being distraught. Like, like, presumably weeks into the job, people yelling at him extras and him, like, visibly having a breakdown at the scene. It's like one of the funniest, weirdest, quickest scenes in the movie. It's like, I'm a doctor! <laughs> Screaming at the customers. <laughs> Don't call me a waiter. I am a doctor. <laughs> How would they know? <laughs> that's i like, just love that he starts giving uh like an exam to the to the roasted turkey that's up on the on the countertop he's like looking between the legs like didn't they tell you not to eat before coming in here he's examining like a patient but no guys one time i went to red robin and the waitress is like i'm an astronaut don't call me a server <laughs> that happened once so really happens um what happens next, though, is really, really dire. He uh, he fi- he comes home, finds a note from Milos Stavros saying he took Daisy to the mountains and he'll never somewhere you can never find her again. How dare you? You're an evil person. He walks down the streets alone, and then the like it's really quick and sudden. But the last shot is him drinking Woolite. The yeah. end. <laughs> <laughs> Just streaming down his mouth. At, at first, I thought this was going to be a note from Daisy, but you know they they yeah, kept uh, it they kept it concise and consistent throughout the entire thing. She never speaks. We never find out if she speaks to him or if it's just some kind of like a pheromone thing. Like <laughs> what the deal is? Did she give him the Gilroy herself? <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought so too. I was like, okay, this is the scene where the she, we really get ridiculous. But no, that's okay. End of the segment. On to three. Why do some women have trouble achieving orgasm? I don't know. 
Well, let's See dive here. in and find out. Shall we? Um, so we were talking about a stylized, like, Italian... Like, I, I'm not that experienced with these kind of era, but it seems like the one particular one I watched in film school was uh, Blow Up. Feels very Blow Up-y, like Madi. Like, he's super cool going to parties. He has photographer friends at studios. And the, I love that. The, just the conversation. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll get there. But um, there's not a lot that happens in this for the first, like, half of this segment. It's just no, it's a, a lot a of very dialogue and very stylized shots. That's really all this is. Yeah. What's the premise? Like, what's the, the bird's eye view of this one? Well, he plays... I don't even know what he does, but he's some sort of a, a creative adjacent gadfly in Italy who gets married, and it turns out that his wife, he believes, might be frigid because she can't achieve orgasm. She just kind of lays there while he's doing his thing, and he's really bothered by the fact that he can't pleasure her because he's obviously having a great time. So he goes around complaining to all of his friends, trying to find out, like, how do I please a woman and all this stuff. Um, and eventually we find out that she has a very specific kink that she seems to have discovered in the moment. I don't think it, it doesn't feel like something she's been hiding. It just feels like right. the mood struck her while they were in a store and she's like, okay, let's not question it. Let's just go. And then they have to kind of navigate doing it in public all the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, this, this segment just feels like something that would just be in an episode of the Simpsons. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, no, really, it really yeah. does feel that way with the exception of the style. I mean, maybe even with the stylized Italian, uh, uh, style of it, but no, like you cut that away from it and it is just like the fourth act of a Simpsons episode. Yeah. Like, sure. I thought you were being, that is, that did happen. Right. Right, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Who's got the egg on his face? This guy. I don't know if you guys can see, but my thumbs are pointed at myself. Uh, so, uh, there. Okay. He, he's like, yeah, he's like an Italian hipster guy, and like he's hanging out at a swanky estate party, and he's rocking some shades. And by the way, to his credit, uh, he speaks in Italian this entire segment, and so does everybody. So they're Once rocking again, the. Giving a little bit of credit to Woody Allen. Yeah. Cutting him a little bit of slack off that loaf, you know? A little bit of slack. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels like they're talking. I mean, I don't speak Italian, but I speak French. And it felt it genuine enough that it wasn't like, we're going to speak in a foreign language, but all of the, the words are going to be kind of gibberish and it, know, it, so we're going to make stuff up. You're saying it didn't feel like an, a game from Whose Line Is It Anyway? It felt like he was being real. <laughs> right. It was like it wasn't like oh, fettuccine, a pasta sauce. Yes. You know, yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. That would be distracting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's talking to his gal, and she says, "Go easy on my hymen." And he says, "I will. Your your body's precious to me." And like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> joke. Uh, no, it's. Like where he's going for everything from style to like the whole thing, like macro, you know, so it's OK. So after he he asks why she didn't afterwards, they're in bed and he asks why she didn't look like she enjoyed it. And she says, oh, I'm sure next time I'll enjoy it more. And, you know, maybe I'll be more relaxed. And once and then now we are in like a, a photo studio and it, it doesn't need to be. Uh, quite as elegant as it is but it could be just a two shot and it could just be a wide of two guys in a studio but instead it's like blocked b 
beautifully where the friend kind of enters frame when he makes like a, a more assertive point and then the camera drifts with both them down a corridor and you know yeah you gotta see it it's kind of like to me it's kind of a lesson a little bit like is as spoofy as it is to compelling just dialogue scene this between is, two this, people this is where he's like no bitch i'm a filmmaker you know like <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's yeah. the thing about Woody Allen that I don't think he gets enough credit for is whatever you might think of his writing or his persona, he is a hell of a filmmaker. Um, you know, one of the his my favorite movies I've seen of his, granted one of the few, is Midnight in Paris. I don't know if you've checked that out, but I highly not, recommend not it. Yet. It's a feature-length version of a riff he did in his one stand-up comedy special in 1969. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's all I'll say. the whole thing. That's yeah. cool. Uh, to, if we're going to wax his car just a little bit more. <laughs> wax a little on, bit wax more on. I feel like uh, at 32 years old, I should have uh, double the movies. I'm going to have my third soon. And I, I want to have at least double the movies with the, someone like him. He's the, the most prolific, one of the, the most prolific filmmakers. And uh, I respect him for that. That's what I'll say. There so. you go. <laughs> uh, so Alan and his friend discuss foreplay at the photo studio. He says, you got to play with her a little bit. And we're really just kind of dragging things out until we get to the Simpsons premise of yeah. this uh, whole thing. And uh, so what? what is the the moment he uh, that really does it? He t- uh, He's talking to a pastor. The pastor's like, listen, if I could make her come, I would. That's like a <laughs> little aside. <laughs> There's a vibrator antic that happens where like it starts on fire and sparks are flying everywhere. I love that it plugged into the wall too. I mean, this is <laughs> yeah, you know, his 1972. Yes. Oh God. Um, his uh, his friend, and he assures us, and this is once again like Woody Allen, I guess, sucking his own French loaf of bread-sized dick off because that's what he <laughs> says in this scene to his friend. He's like, guys, rest assured, I'm not small, guys. That my character, my character's not small. I get her. I I'm capable. It's just her. So like, (laughs) so he shows up at at her work. I think like at a gallery or something. And yeah, I don't know what this place is because this is one uh, bit where the fancy camera work kind of does a disservice to it because I don't really know where they are. They could be in a fancy furniture store, but. There's some business going on a few feet away from behind some blinds or something. It, it's all very confusing. To me, I got the impression that it was a furniture store. Like, yeah, oh, like okay. you said. I got but art. I, I don't know for sure. But the art is very furniture-like. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. He tells her he wants to pleasure because he wants her to love loving him and some all that. And then it works. She's like, he starts kissing her and like, She's into it, and right there they make love, and it kind of gets like porno-y for a little bit. Like he's like kissing her neck on the floor, and like, you know, people are, uh, she, someone's showing somebody else like a piece uh, of furniture slash art in this gallery place, <laughs> and you know, there's an element of danger. And uh, this is, he says to a friend in a subsequent scene that she gets off on the danger of public sex, and there you go like pull off the curtain that's what this segment is about you know um he says uh she is weird city have you ever (laughs) said that about anybody guys no that's a nicer way of saying she's crazy town (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> come, lady, come, She's come, weird lady. city. I can't. Can't let her. I you know, make... my it's it's funny. Uh, my wife watched this with me last night, and she actually laughed at that <laughs> that line. <laughs> She's weird city. <laughs> she is weird city in Italian, mind you, which is very elegant, but a weird line to say in Italian. But uh, <laughs> cut to them doing it on the roof at like another swanky party. Uh, confessional at church. He says to uh, his photographer friend, "They did it there." Like. Time is passing. They're doing it in different public places. You know, this thing can't last forever. Cuts to them under an elderly couple's table at a restaurant. Very bold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she actually bites the one of the, the elderly patrons in ecstasy. Oh, that's what she does. Yeah, she, she, she bites leg. the leg. Yeah. Uh-oh. And they get caught, and uh, she tells them, uh, you'll get used to doing it in public. And uh, they have some loud antique store fucking, and they get a quick, quick, clean getaway, and that's it. It's very yeah. anticlimactic, right? Ironically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and need I say more? We could move on to this next one that wraps every. This one's like the nicest, neatest little package, like uh, in terms of the the most short filmiest. Like, yeah. When I was at. Sorry. Okay. No, no, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> That's all. Oh, okay. When I was at uh, Columbia, they, they used to like jam it down our throats how to structure a short film, and this to me feels like it adheres to that more than anything. Because uh, Woody Allen, I don't think is following any. He's just doing his thing, you know. And uh, it just feels traditional. And this one's called "Our Transvestites Homosexuals?" Question <laughs> mark. This is a real chapter in a real book from 1960, <laughs> 70, whatever. Uh, yeah, they, they had to answer this question for the general public. I have a self-help question, book. Mommy, are transvestites homosexuals? This is also a pretty funny segment, I would have to say. But I think that really comes down to the just the goofy performances. Yes, definitely. Honestly, it's, it's like a slice out of Mrs. Doubtfire. So, yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. It's one of my guilty pleasures, so I'm into this segment. Um, it starts with a middle-aged couple, like well, like grandparents' age, and they're bickering in their bedroom. The mom's putting on her face, and the dad says, oh, I got a tension headache, you know. She says it's psychosomatic. The daughter, like, he, express, he expresses some sort of anxiety about meeting some other parents, and their daughter walks in and says it's reveals that it's her, like her her fella's parents that they have to go meet. So the dad's reluctant, and this is his story, really. And, yeah, this uh, this whole thing reminded me of the the C or the D story from Sixteen Candles, where Molly Ringwald's parents are going to meet the uh, the <laughs> sister's boyfriend or fiance's parents or something. It's, it's the Riz checks. You know, uh, <laughs> get used to it because they're going to be family. It, it just felt like a like a short movie version of that story. But where's Long Duck Dong in all this? Uh, well, you know, he was tucked away uh, in the other bedroom, upstairs to the left, or to the right. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. a gong is being blasted right now. <laughs> uh, I'll layer it in. Don't worry, I'll add the sound effect later. <laughs> Thanks, Jer. Uh, our sponsor today is Perry's Gongs, the most sturdy <laughs> gongs on the market. Um uh, they have a meeting, so they meet with them at the door. Uh, the main character, the, the they go to their house. That's important because when they show up, it's not long before that we see who the dad, the main character, really is. Uh, there's some piano playing, 
an awkward silence. I feel like at least I saw this in match point, like full on setup scenes. It's like 20 seconds of just a wide of somebody playing piano in the background while someone reads a paper cut and it's just a different setup. I think Woody <laughs> Allen just likes piano playing. Um, so there's a little bit of that before the dad gets a little bit, seems restless. He asks where the bathroom is. They tell him at dinner. He goes upstairs, and then we see that he is—he's uh, a transvestite. He likes to dress up in women's clothing. And uh, they intercut between the couples downstairs talking about uh, the wife's gowns as he goes through the gowns that she's presumably <laughs> discussing downstairs. So. And they are really great gowns, uh, as uh, evidenced by the look on the guy's face. And oh. I just love these little moments up in the bedroom because it's not just like he's swishing around. He's like a little kid playing, you know, dress up. He's, <laughs> he's so happy and free. He is giddy. Yes. With, like, like, he's just so joyful every time he sees his own visage in that mirror. <laughs> <laughs> he's The only word I can write is he prances around the room. Yeah. His yes. little red hat and his red skirt and his white blouse. And uh, he's very coordinated, very pretty. And uh, the husband in the dress, he nearly gets caught by the other husband whose house it is. He comes upstairs. He's got to go get something out of the bedroom. Some, whatever, and he turns his back. There's a moment of tension because the wife's calling him downstairs. He goes, "What? The what drawer?" And the di- he's scrambling. Our guy, he's like, "Oh, where do I go?" There's an open window. I'm on the second floor, and it cuts, and it's so wide, and he's hanging outside the the window, dressed as a woman. That's kind of crazy and wacky, and uh, <laughs> he falls out. But the real crazy stuff happens out of left field he just like in mrs doubtfire he just happens to be walking by and some rando steals his purse that he happened to take with him down from the second story <laughs> of house. um it was fast it all happens very fast uh Man. let me get some is other it, is it me or did the purse snatching happen after a cut from the uh like going back to the people talking downstairs like where's my husband and then it feels like it cuts to the street and the person like has is like in mid or the end of having their purse snatched. It almost feels like that person stole my purse. There's no context of like this yeah. person walking up behind them and grabbing it. It's all very strange. Was this edited by Woody Allen also? No. Uh, he uh he gives a little report. He gets consoled by some of the neighborhood women who are genuinely worried about, you know, her purse and uh he uses this falsetto voice to kind of placate everybody yeah it's not fool it it would not fool me sorry jer what no i just said it would not fool me at all like (laughs) that's a guy and look he's 2020 though i'd just be like yes ma'am like i know you're not fooling anybody (laughs) but yes ma'am yeah um so the the even now the, what's funny is when you hear those sirens and a situation escalates so quickly like uh, there's something about Mary with the pants zipping. That's exactly what I was thinking of when I was watching this. I was like, this escalates so quick. Every authority figure is there. Anybody on any medical staff is there. Yeah, it's great. It's um, if they they showed this at in film school, my teachers would be like, this is not politically correct, but I love it. This is structured very well. Uh, <laughs> The police arrive. They want a report. And he says, oh, I don't want to press charges. He's like, I, just tell me what happened. He's annoyed. And there's a big scene forming. And finally, 
the couples inside whose house he visited, they see outside what's going on, the scene that he but created, essentially. Not, well, the robber, to be fair. Not and, before uh, the guy escalates this himself <laughs> in, a, in a really dumb way. He's talking and then out of nowhere just offers up the information. Oh, I'm three months pregnant. I'm not yes. supposed to have any. Oh, my doctor said I'm not supposed to have any excitement. That, like, why would you even dig this hole? That feels like <laughs> Alan, the Woody Allen touch is... Uh, he doesn't need to mention, if I lose my baby, oh, I'm three months pregnant. <laughs> oh, I don't lose my baby. Like, why did you even say that? <laughs> I guess he's like, I need to explain my gut uh, to everybody, I guess. I don't know. That that may be it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but he gets caught because what is uh, an officer like snatches off his hat, which takes off the wig or just reveals that he's a bald man and he like panics a little bit and uh strips in front of everybody and just kind of leaves the scene and the wife's just you know awestruck and yeah well she screams because she recognizes him on the street she's like that's my husband and then he's like then he has to be like yeah fine fine yeah i i I dress i wear dresses (laughs) fuck you you're the weird ones thanks for writing the short film wife this could have went on for another five minutes or so thanks He strips, cuts, and she says, uh, listen, I know you're fucked up and weird and you shouldn't interact with normal people, but I understand if you would have just told me all that. And he goes, yeah, thanks, you know, and that's <laughs> that's it. Well, she goes through this litany of problems, and it's it's very much she's like, you know, you could have told me, you know, that you're deranged, that you've got these psychotic problems, that you're deeply disturbed. Yeah. He keeps going on and on. And he's got this wonderful expression in the background because she's not looking at him. He's like, what the fuck, lady? Yeah. <laughs> but then he figures, well, you know, she's not going to leave me and she seems to accept me for who I am. I get to keep mm-hmm. <laughs> playing dress up. <laughs> as good as it gets, basically, is the name of this segment. <laughs> so to answer the question, um, no, transvestites are not necessarily homosexuals. Yep. Yeah. So, well, you know, a lot of the times they are. It proposes a question and it answers it. That's what I respect about the segment. So, you know, thesis answered. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Number five. What are sex perverts? Which is a broader question. <laughs> what are sex perverts? <laughs> so I know the question you've all been wondering. What are sex perverts? Well, I'm here to tell you. Here's I just got I just doing a presentation for you guys, but I decided to stop. <laughs> this is um, <laughs> this is in the style of an old game show, black and white, literally on a TV, like the channel changing and the ads interrupting now, and all. Ian, do you uh, understand what this is a a parody of? Because they do something very, very similar. Like, there's a parody of this in 101 Dalmatians, and we didn't understand what that was when we talked about it, where, like, they're uh, watching this TV show. Yeah, it was like like a guessing game show. I think it was just in vogue at the time on that old... Yeah, Yeah. and I I didn't really appreciate it the first time I watched it, but in the intervening months, uh, we there's a knockoff of the game show network called buzzer it's like antenna television game show network and Uh they show a lot of these really old 1950s game shows and watching this segment now they alan perfectly captures the feel of these panel game shows you'll have like these celebrities on and you'll have like a random you know rug salesman from ohio talking to the host and the, the guests have to figure out something about this person 
I mean, mm-hmm. it's Alan, you can tell, really appreciated this stuff growing up and, and wanted to incorporate it. Um, what just struck me now uh, about this is we go from a rather progressive take on sexuality in the previous segment. Sexuality. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, I think because you're talking about an era that's not that far removed from Ed Wood's heyday where he was, you know, a very public, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh-huh. kind of a cross dresser and people probably figured, Oh, he dresses up as a woman. He must be into guys, uh, taking that notion and saying, no, it's just something that people kind of have a fetish of, but it doesn't mean that they're gay. And also there's nothing really wrong with it to a fake, uh, ad for an aftershave or, or a hair tonic or something, yeah, and it's it's two guys. It's like, what are sex perverts? Immediately followed by an ad featuring two gay guys, which yeah. is like implying that there is that homosexuality is a perversion. Now, I appreciate the gag in that it's two guys in a locker room and there's like, hey, you should try this hair tonic. And it does a cut and the guy's got these perfectly awesome wavy hair. Then they go back into the locker room and in the faded background, you see them starting yeah, yes. to make out. It's like, you almost don't catch it. Yeah, it's, it, 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 you're almost questioning why the fuck is this fake commercial? Like, what is this? This doesn't have anything to do with sex or anything until all of a sudden you're like, oh, there it is in the background. It's yeah. a Where's yeah. Waldo. <laughs> right. But it almost uh, seems, seems like a contradiction of whatever Alan's thesis was. Like, maybe he didn't think that transvestites were homosexuals, but he does think that homosexuals are perverts. <laughs> I answered it for you. The question is that no one has to ask it anymore. Just watch the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, then it leads to this game show called What's My Perversion, featuring a very young and yet somehow older-looking Regis Philbin as one of the yes. panelists. <laughs> Isn't that fucked up? <laughs> he looks 20 years older than he does right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm Benjamin Button. <laughs> so, Jack Barry, I don't know if he's a real guy. He's I the don't host. Think he so. He is. He is plays he? himself. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I was not familiar with the show he was on then. <laughs> yeah, nor was yeah, I. I just saw his name in the credits. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that guy did, was happy parodying himself, just like Regis. <laughs> just another day at the office. Um,. What are the show's called? What's my perversion? Jack Barry's the host. He introduces the first guest on the show after the Lancer's hair ad. Uh, Bernard Jaffe, who is some old mustache guy. So, like, I guess the panel of judges who are like minor, including Regis Philbin and some minor, like B-level TV celebrities, are gonna guess what it is based on some, you know, some broad uh, questions. So. He whispers the perversion of the hosier. The audience is informed. And then uh, the, the, it, he exposes himself on subways as his perversion. And uh, then the hilarity ensues. The judges, <laughs> what, what did you, can you use your hands? And he goes, mm, sometimes, and, and something like that. And Aaron goes, ha, ha, ha. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's how it went. Pretty much like that. And then one of the, uh, in that kind of a, innocuous game show way where someone throws out a guest or a guess, I think it was one of the lady panelists who's like, are you a rapist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very like, oh, like he's like, no, like, no, no, this, I'm not a rapist. That's a no yeah. answer. We're going to give you another $5 for that. <laughs> and then Regis has a very, like he builds up. He's all like, all right, I think I got it. I think I got it. Do you molest children? <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> Jesus, Regis. 
I'd like to take fine, a lifeline, I guess. I, I... <laughs> um, he cuts to the next guest, and he acts out his fantasy. That's like he gets to act it out because he's like a pastor. <laughs> I guess that's how it goes on this show. And he's from Muncie, Indiana. Woody Allen's got a bone to pick with you, Muncie, Indiana. <laughs> it's some guy named Chaim Babel. He's a rabbi. <laughs> and he likes to get tied up in silk stockings. So some lady judge ties him up with stockings, and then he's spanked while his wife eats pork at his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Just That's real best detail. Perverted up. <laughs> and, yeah. That- uh, yeah. That, said, and, and I love uh, the, the show ends. They're like, okay, we'll be back next week. And, you know, they do the applause and the music and everything, but they do the close up. The last close up is of the wife eating the pork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to underscore that she's like sitting there eating ribs and like, oh my God. <laughs> the end. Uh, the gas is out of, ta- out of the tank on this one. So uh, we're going to move on to the next segment is basically, can you, like, I think a couple more minutes. Even as it stands, I'm kind of like, all right. Like even like one more minute, I'm like, all right, this fucking thing's going on way too long here. Yeah, that's <laughs> me. So we're moving on to number six, which is, are the findings of doctors and clinics who do sexual research and experiments accurate? <laughs> Woody Allen's gonna answer that question. A nice so. little catchy segment title. Yep, and uh, he's nothing if not succinct. Woody Allen gets 50 cents worth of gas. Boy, I tell you guys, I tell you. <laughs> hey, man, if you go out right now and see some gas prices, they're uh, they're pretty dirt cheap. Yeah. So you're yeah. cutting gas Weird. some slack. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm cutting big oil some slack right now. He sees, uh, he sees a woman on the way to... She mentions to the attendant, oh, I'm having some car problems, but I'm trying to, do you know how to get to Dr. Bernardo's house? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to Dr. Bernardo's house. I can give you a ride. So, you know, they're in the car and they're on the way. And uh, he talks about uh, he's going to be doing some uh, sexual phenomena research with the doctor. And she says, well, I'm a reporter and I'm doing an interview for this paper about the doctor. And that's why we're going to the doctor's place. And so, like, what a coincidence. Let's all go to the doctor. <laughs> says, yeah, you're kind of cute. And she's like, oh, and she just keep your eyes on the road. Listen, you're charming, but uh, you know we're not quite there yet. But listen, you're you're cute and all, but I'm anti-Semitic, so like, stay the hell away from me. <laughs> At the estate, they are led in by a Igor, who is literally named Igor. He's Igor from Frankenstein, basically. Who, uh, if it if if it weren't for the fact that the year clearly eliminates him, I swear to God, I was like, is that Benicio del Toro for a second? Yes, very much he so. Does. Yeah, uh, Doctor Bernardo introduces himself after the useless Igor does not answer when they they're led into the the creepy mansion, and uh, he introduces himself to Victor. That's Woody Allen's name, and Miss Lacey. That's her name. And he whips Igor because he left his room, apparently. That's a no-no in this house. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, at dinner, there's a lot of, like, is this the third or fourth dinner scene in this movie? There's a lot of dinner setups, I've Look, noticed. I mean, you know, sex and dinner kind of go hand in hand. True. Yeah, they both involve That's... eating if you're doing it right. That was yeah. segment number eight. <laughs> they cut out for time is food and sex. Uh, so at dinner, 
Alan wrote a book. His character wrote a book. It's called Advanced Sexual Positions, How to Achieve Them Without Laughing. It's becoming a big hit, you know, with classic <laughs> Woody Allen. Uh, he says, uh, now, the doctor, I don't know if I agree with your research. Uh, you said that the average length of a man's penis should be 19 inches long. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. He says, it should be 19 inches. I'm controversial, <laughs> if not nothing else, but I I believe in my research. I love this 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 uh, this character because it's like a perfectly over the top like just insane like <laughs> at a 10 i love characters who are at a 10 and this guy's at a 10 <laughs> yeah it's funny uh, i i didn't realize i didn't understand an in joke that a friend of mine kept uh he would tag he was a co-worker and he would tag all of his emails with they laughed at me at masters and johnson <laughs> and i didn't understand until i watched this movie what he was talking about and I that's told him the, that he was he was happy I finally got the joke. It's one of those are you my friend tests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so the yeah, the, like he's very defensive about his positions. He's very passionate about his his no pun intended, always intended actually, his positions yeah. on sexuality. He says they called me mad at Masters and Johnson. And uh, he riffs for a bit about his beliefs that he was persecuted for. And I say riffs because they do, like, different setups. You know which part I'm talking about? Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. I, I told him that all women should... I can't even... I didn't write them down. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's like a little jump cut there. Yeah. And uh, he... Uh, the reason Igor is the way he is is because I guess he gave him a four-hour orgasm once and he's never <laughs> been the same since. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, well, that's the thing is after after that little bit of information, you look at Igor's body language and you're like, oh yeah, that that might be yeah. how someone is after that experience. It's like, <laughs> let me, uh, yep, that all checks out. I uh, it reminds me of Rob Schneider, orgasm guy, SNL. <laughs> yeah. <90s>. Oh yeah. <laughs> One of my favorites of uh of the Schneiders. <laughs> All, all two of his characters. That's uh, that's probably the better one. Make it an orgasm. So, at the lab, there, he's studying a lot of things. When one of the rooms, there's premature ejaculation in a hippo is being studied. This is uh, this whole segment reminds me of like the first season of South Park, where that like that Mephisto guy, where it's like he does stuff just to the, for the sake of doing it. It's like, look, here's a monkey with five asses. Which like, is yes. Awesome. Dr. He's Moreau just, parody. Totally. Yeah, he's just like, just for the sake, because I can. Like, that's why I'm doing right. it. What do you think? And then he's, and he's we're definitely dumb for archetypical, questioning. the kind who's like, has big ideas about the world and won't listen to any uh, anyone else, any reason, you know? He's far beyond that. So he forces a man to make love to a large rye bread. <laughs> so far, so good, apparently. He takes the brain of a lesbian and puts it in the body of a man who works for the telephone company. <laughs> Why the telephone company? I don't know, but that's important. And, yes. Uh, for his research. And uh, it'll show those prudes who called me mad. <laughs> and there's... He makes a gross slurping noise when he talks. He, he shows us the last exhibit, which is this woman with like huge tits, and he's like filling, he's feeding her silicone until like I guess she's just a a huge tit, and like he makes this slurping noise, like it's so gross. 
It is disgusting, especially the the sound mixed with the way he contorts his face and does that yeah. stuff with his tongue. It's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, I really I'm hope sure. I could find a gif of that for whatever, when I'm uh, promoting it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the lady's uh, subject of the new he's a, she's a reporter like she didn't even volunteer but like it doesn't even matter at this point in this segment he's like you reporter lady you're going to be the subject of my new experiment respiration measured when you're gang banged by boy scouts and he shows us the room of like these cat like zombie like boy scouts in uniform just kind of going uh, like walking around and i'm like ha ha ha, ha. I'm, I'm uncomfortable i'm laughing really hard i'm slapping my knee it turns into a horror movie, and uh, a gun shows up out of nowhere. I don't know how, but she like gets restrained. There's a gun, and like they like struggle. The, the scientist dude pulls it out. Like he just oh. pulls out a gun for, out of nowhere. Like yeah. you're gonna do this. And they wrestle, and like the shots are fired in the lab, which causes sparks, which causes a fire, which causes the doctor to run off, which causes allows Woody Allen to go free the lady and save her as the place burns down and. Uh, what else happens? Uh, they run out to the car, but it won't start, so they run on foot, and then that's when we get the gigantic tits that crashes through the wall of the house. It becomes a monster movie. Uh, yeah. Yep. What do you guys think of this whole segment? I was a I mean, fan of the giant tit, especially with the little detail of it uh, squirting the milk at <laughs> oh, Woody Allen. I mean, it's just you wonder how far they can take it, and then they take it just uh, a little bit, you know, further. Especially, I, I don't know if this was a detail that was, uh, you know, more evident when this is on film on a giant screen. But mm-hmm. watching it in HD, I saw that they took the care to like draw in veins in yeah. the thing, like subtle milk producing veins in the side of the boob. I'm like, wow, oh, they he obsessed over this. Tit. Yeah, um, he he wanted it to look authentic. Like, yes. do you think, I wonder if, like, CG animators, they probably take less time to to animate a giant tit in a movie, like in post, as opposed to taking the, the blood, sweat, tears, milk, and, and making a giant fucking tit, like, practically, and having to bring that out on, like, a semi, presumably, and shooting that on film, not digital, film, in, right. like, 1970-whatever, is crazy. I just want to see the budget, like the 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 line item for the, the giant tit, and how much of the budget that went right. for. Um, well, yeah, because it, it the sound effect is also very important because you like, hear the the, the milk sloshing around inside this thing. But it also, I don't know if that. Yeah, it sounded like the some... beginning of pop up video. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> But it, but even just watching it, it looked like it. It didn't look like a giant inflated thing. It looked like it had mass and like you know moisture yeah. sloshing around in there. Yeah, like, it really did. I think it was being like operated by different like many people on foot at the bottom, and they were like pushing it. It looked like maybe there was like some scurrying like mm. in the tip, you know? Yeah. We need to talk. We need to see on corridor crew VFX artists break down, and they need to break down the tit in this scene. From the tit. <laughs> uh, but here comes some jokes, guys, and it's all monster movie tit jokes, and it's not a lot. There's at makeout point. There's this random couple, and like they're about to get busy, and in the rear view mirror, he sees the nipple and like this giant tit coming, and like it encompasses him. Like he gets squashed. And uh, 
the cops at first are reluctant. They don't want to believe them when they show up at the station, but eventually they put out an APB for a huge tit. <laughs> <laughs> travels through the highway system, and they catch up, and they see the dead guy who got squashed and make out point, and he says, Woody Allen, self, like patting himself on the, on the back, he says, don't worry, I know how to handle tits. And, you know, <laughs> he goes and handles the tit. So he... Uh, it shoots milk at him in a field. It's like in some random park. I don't know. They must have closed down a park for the day and brought in a big tit. And uh, it shoots milk at him, and he puts up a crucifix briefly <laughs> before coaxing it. And I should have saw this coming, but I didn't. A, a giant bra that he coaxes it into that's set up, and that's how he, he vanquishes it. Yeah, and then there's Yay. the... They don't really pay this off at the end, but there is the the conversation with the cop, and he's like, you know, usually these things show up in pairs. Yeah, <laughs> he's dun, very dun, dun. anxious about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he gets Woody Allen gets the girl at the end, and they're you know kissing in the silhouette on the hillside, and it's very lovely. Now, I, I want to take a nipple print just in case there's a second one. We're gonna put it on 90 day probation, and then uh, <laughs> off to the orphanage. We got a lot of hungry kids there. <laughs> Jesus. They they do walk away hand in hand and he gets to neurosis splain sex a little bit in the you know as they walk off to the sunset. <laughs> uh on to the last segment. Yeah, that was I didn't I didn't care much for the giant tit myself. Yeah, but, it's uh, okay, but this last one me. I I do kind of I've like. always been more of an ass man myself to be honest with you though, so so maybe it was a giant ass. You see more. Yeah. Oh, I'm all over it. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be all up in that ass. Yeah. You know, in 2020, it is about fake asses. So there might be a shot if they remake if Woody Allen, and he can, he can remake this for Amazon Prime, and he can have <laughs> now be a woman with a fake ass. So just saying. Number seven. This I actually like this. This is like the inside out meet Dave portion of the movie. Yeah. Yes. What happens during ejaculation is the name of it. What happens? I I don't know. I still don't know. So I'm glad Woody Allen explained it to me with this movie. <laughs> well, so. from what I understand from this movie, it's highly organized. There's an entire uh, there's multiple teams working in unison with each other. That's right. That's right. And um, headed by Tony uh, Randall. <laughs> Here's what I admire. Look, if I like, got a Burt Reynolds at... in my balls, I'm happy. That's yep. all I got to say. That's <laughs> <laughs> what to say is, here's what I admire. It's you elevate the whole thing by adding superstar of the time Burt Reynolds in here as mm-hmm. just a, a random crew member of the brain. Basically, like, in charge of, of, of that whole center. <laughs> yeah. of, the, of the let's make this happen center, if you will. <laughs> and what I love about it is it's not a vanity part. You know, it's just him yeah. being yep. like crewman number five. <laughs> Those yeah. are, to me, the best kinds of cameos are the ones that just, I have a, a, a quick function here in the scene, and I'm going to commit to it, you know? I brought my best toupee. I'm here for this day. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> He's, he looks great in that toupee. Um, Brain Room gets a call to scratch the leg, and this kind of, guys, you know, adjust your yourself to, to how things go within here in the body. You know, you got to send messages to different departments just to scratch your balls in this, uh, in this short. So they, they cue a joke response. You know, he's got a sense of humor component. 
Burt Reynolds is there. Awesome. They got Italian food coming down, so we get to see the inside of the stomach, take in some fettuccine Alfredo. and Followed by the wine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the eyes, which are a different department, talk to the brain to focus on the date's body. Just hey, take a moment, because the brain, I thought that was kind of funny and like, He's like, I didn't take the time to really notice. Uh, the brain says that. The, I think the eyes are more paying attention to the, the date than the brain, which is odd. But uh, the brain asks the ears to send audio in, so now we get to hear some of the date. And you don't you don't see any of Woody Allen, but I just know Woody Allen is the guy behind <laughs> those eyes talking to her, right? Well, what I really love about this, and you, I think you kind of just touched on this, is the idea that all the other senses are operating at full capacity, but the brain is so neurotic and caught up in its own business that it doesn't quite get what's going on outside of itself. I didn't. Yeah, that's true. And if they were all played by Woody Allen, a la, like, is there not Meet Dave? That's different people. It's like the Oompa Loompas in 2005's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, bringing yeah. it full circle. <laughs> <laughs> A bunch Very good. of Woody's. Um, they're the all brain. 18 inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> they take a stab at graduates of New York University. They're like, I don't know if it's going to happen tonight. And then she says it. She's a graduate there. And he's like, it's going to happen tonight. <laughs> oh, shit. Shots fired. Uh, there's a scared expression accidentally flashed. Apparently the brain catches like, who the fuck flashed that right now? God damn it. You're going to yes. ruin this thing. <laughs> and that's when uh god i swear to god i thought one of the sperm because this is where we meet the, they're on standby the sperm and one of them is woody allen dressed in a crude sperm costume along with a yeah. bunch of other extras one of which i thought was christopher guest i swear to god i thought it was too i had to look it up like for a half an hour to try and confirm yeah. it and i i i can't find who that was because it's interesting there's only two sperm mentioned in the credits and one of them is woody allen and one of them is the other is the third sperm that's there so like yeah. whoever that one is he's not listed he looks like christopher guest i don't think no, it is. i know here i don't know the actor but um he was on a showtime sitcom back in the 80s called brothers that's where i remember him from wow yeah. another deep cut pop-up video this is what you get on uh 90 <laughs> when you're in self-quarantine you know you have to uh you you, you pull back the old references that's right um this is something I noticed here. They'll use so they're okay. They're gonna do some parking lot sex. The date, the woman, and uh, and whoever is behind the eyes. And uh, Burt Reynolds says, "Proceed with the erection." And uh, you know, it's very formal. And this giant nasty tongue gets rolled out. The like, kisser, and we see like a fake giant tongue that they had to make for this movie. <laughs> they have to oh. wet down with mops. <laughs> One of <laughs> what makes this thing worth it for me is the pleasure center do you guys remember that yeah wait (laughs) wait 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 what which one it's just one guy in a room going "Ooh, (laughs) oh yeah yeah it's like doing some mime shit in a a little bubble (laughs) it's just what i was expecting a bunch of people just one random lonely dude (laughs) so we get I, was more, I was more so focused on how well they were cleaning up the fettuccine. <laughs> They're like, fettuccine's coming along nicely. <laughs> but, okay, here's something I noticed. Here's another take from a different angle of Burt Reynolds saying the same line. Proceed with erection. All systems go. Like, they really want to milk that Burt Reynolds coverage that they got, I think. 
They didn't. I don't think they needed to be redundant with the erection line, but they did because it's Reynolds, baby. So <laughs> they bang. But Woody the sperm is having anxiety. He's like, well, what do I heard a lot about uh, these sperms, you know, f- going headfirst into a wall like a condom, you know, or something like that. What if, what if it's a homosexual encounter? You know, what about that? Because uh, <laughs> those guys are sex perverts. Very <laughs> <laughs> much so. I read it in a book uh, <laughs> that I well, adapted loosely. There's apparently some attempts at penetration. What's happening outside the system right now is kind of abstract because, you know, you can only show so much, but there's attempts going on at penetration. Because he's only got like 40%, they say. The, the guilt reflex is tampered with by a conscience room worker dressed like a priest, which is uh, the old, like, angel devil on the shoulder, but in the form of the interior of the body, you know? Well, I love it because they said yeah, he was like uh, we found him. He had tied up the conscious. The conscience was found knocked out and tied to a chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens every time you have sex. You, you're you don't know what goes on in your body. There's, well, um, I mean, only if you're a Catholic, right? Mm. Um, the sperm prepare for ejaculation. Uh, Woody plays harmonica like a prisoner for a little. Bit. Uh, there's some. That classic baseball player memories trick is like, quick, think of names of classic baseball players, you know. Uh, see you guys in the ovary. Like, the sperm start to get launched. Basically, you know, he's finishing up, and uh, one of them screams that. And in the aftermath, uh, she's smoking the cigarette in the car. She seems satisfied. The brain congratulates everyone on a job well done. Seems like the segment's over, no? They're sipping champagne, yeah. 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 But... She asks to do it one more time, and they gear up to go again, and then fade out, kind of awkwardly. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Credits over bunny. <laughs> well, it en- it ends with uh, Tony Randall. I think he was like, "We're going in again, or going for the second one, or something like that." And then it a cuts back to the A new record. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Isn't that's a new yeah. record? <laughs> the end. Which- which also <laughs> seems like a very. <laughs> 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 It does seem like a very Woody Allen thing where it's like after he finishes, it's the greatest moment of his life. And then the woman wants to go again. Like yeah. she, she just can't be satisfied. And he's just like, oh, I'm such a lucky dude. You got to have a uh, not a rim Let's shot, but a bells on the severed head on the pike moment, you know? Yeah. Well, you can't show a rim shot even in 1972. Oh. But, you know. Outlawed, though? <laughs> 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 ah, we haven't had rim shots since the 40s. <laughs> Oh, so, so that's, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's pretty much the movie. I liked three of the seven shorts, and I almost like four. I liked fifty-fifty of the Italian one. I thought it was shot very well, but it, it it's very meandering for the first half. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, it I for like, a completely different reason than uh, than the show itself or than the movie itself wants it to wants us to like it. Mm. But you still like it, so that's yeah. Something. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I like it because it's artful, you know. But it's like it's not funny, and it doesn't really go anywhere. Right. But uh, yeah, like I, I, I enjoy looking at it, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it does. It I think of all of them, it's the one that peters out the most. Like once you figure out what the deal is, mm-hmm. it's almost like it doesn't have a third act. Yeah. Like, what's the problem? This is the problem. What's the resolution? There's no resolution because they're just kind of okay with it. It's like, well. Yeah. That's yep. not that's not a full story. It's like yeah. uh, when they withhold like 
the rest of the story because they know that the rest of the story doesn't have there's not a lot of gas in that tank. A lot of I feel like some a lot of stories do that. Like well, let's kill an hour be, just doing whatever. But in this case, you know, it's a more mini version. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> uh, I you know maybe I lean too hard on Woody. First, I can separate. <laughs> That's uh, maybe I lean too hard on Woody. Jesus. Uh, I can, uh, for the most part, separate the work from the artist. Uh, as, if we're going to go back to Louis C.K., I even uh, I find myself saying to people, I find a lot of his bits transcend the behavior. I think eventually, on a scale of um, James Gunn to Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K. <laughs> somewhere in the middle there. Uh, and Woody Allen, I think, is a little bit higher. But that's my, you know, everybody has their own little scales in their heads and, you know... So I don't know. That's a whole bag of worms. Yeah, I mean, I I I can't think of any time in my life where I have not been kind of creeped out by Woody Allen. Like even as a kid before I knew who he was, there was something about him where I would see him and I'd be like, "That I don't like that guy. I don't I don't <laughs> like the, I don't like the look of that guy. He makes me uncomfortable." <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It's this could be a whole other like show on Woody Allen, but um yeah, I, the, the problem that I have is, as I kind of alluded to in the beginning, is a lot of what we know about him is what, you know, people have talked about, you know, in the media and, and stories and reports and stuff. But if you dig into it, it's very easy to pick apart. Well, what was the context of what was this person's relationship to him? A lot of the stories that have come out have been from people that they he just didn't get along with or they seem to have some kind of like a like a beef. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're lying. I'm just saying that history and perspective are very, uh, very touchy things when it comes to measuring someone who is a bit weird. Gotcha. Yeah. And hey, is, sorry, is someone scratching something? I don't hear uh, anything. Okay, it must be on my end. I just didn't want to. I want to make sure it was clean because Ian had some good stuff to say there. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't hearing anything. Okay. Okay. Moving. Um, okay, we can move forward. <laughs> that's okay. Um. I forgot what we were saying. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I was talking about uh, Woody Allen and perception versus reality. Oh, yeah. No, what I was going to say is all allegations aside, I got that weirded out vibe from him before I understood anything about who he was. You know? so, yeah. yeah. There's gotcha. something just like, I don't trust the look of that guy. It's like a like a dog when they sense evil. Yeah. <laughs> like I, sense, I sense just something. Barking. Uh, I think, uh, I, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle with Woody cause I can separate the work and I do respect the work. Uh, I don't respect some of the things he did and I'll leave it at that. Uh, I hope everyone out there is staying safe. Yes. And I, as we continue to, uh, self-isolate and quarantine ourselves, we hope that you all do the same. And yes, as Dan just said, take care of each other. Um, that is it for us this week. We will return next week for another Skype episode uh, because we can't actually be together in the same room. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay because we're safe and we're alive. Um, and that is it for us this week. I'm Wait a second. Ian. Oh, plugs? Hmm? Oh. Plugs? No, this is all natural hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unlike Mr. Reynolds. No, uh, sorry. <laughs> R.I.P. Burt Reynolds. Proceed uh, with the erection. <laughs> so uh no just uh yeah quick plug i'm uh at kicking the seat kickseat.com 
I've got a podcast and, and a YouTube channel, so you can check me out there. And uh, yeah, and I've also been fortunate enough to be a guest on several of these lovely 90 Under 90 episodes. So check all of those out in the back catalog. But of course, everyone has already listened to all of them. So That's I'm right. just repeating myself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you know what? They want to go back because they have time because we're all sitting at home doing jack shit. So go ahead. <laughs> go back to listen to all 104 episodes so far and uh, enjoy. All right. Very All right, much. that is it for us this week. I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. I'm Ian Simmons. That's a wrap. I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs>